I'm Joanna. And I'm Tanya. And here's what's on On our our minds. (laughs) That was bad. We're trying to get stuff done. Because, you know, you want to keep the momentum going when you have an idea to do something that you think works well. See, because everything that we talked about, we want to talk about. We we haven't really done the things Mm -hmm. that we talked about doing to really have a full-out discussion. We could talk about Brooklyn. What is it like living in the coolest place in the universe or whatever? You said you wanted to talk about Brooklyn. I thought, theoretically, that's a good topic. Mm -hmm. But I really don't have much to say about Brooklyn in and of itself because I even living here I don't experience it in a, in in that particular way like I live in New York City right but you wouldn't know that I lived in New York City by the way I live my day-to-day life I have to say that's kind of true for me too like do I go out all the time no but when I do go out I can go to a really cool little bar full of hipsters well god we can talk about that that's getting a little old, I must say. Yeah, but it's still kind of fun. I'm just saying, like, you know, Brooklyn has really become something that is almost unrecognizable to most of us who've lived in New York for a while. That's Cause true. Because I remember, I remember when you couldn't even get people to come across the bridge to visit you. That's if you true. Sa- you said you lived in Brooklyn. People act like you lived in it, it overseas. Yes. I remember they, when I first moved to Brooklyn and people would say to me, so do you ever come into the city anymore? Like, you know, I exactly. moved to New Jersey. Exactly. Or, <laughs> or, oh, and forget about getting a cab to take right. you from right. Manhattan to Brooklyn. Oh my God. And getting home on the subway always took forever. Oh, cause there was no trains that would run. Right. And none uh. of that is true anymore. Even in Ben-Stuy, you can hail cabs on the street. Listen, when you can get Barbara freaking Streisand to perform in the middle of Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, please. The, That's the true. world has certainly changed. It and Williamsburg changed. is like the world's biggest college town or something. I mean, when you go over there, everybody's 20-something and it's really like, changed. Like That's all I can say. I've been here, what, I've lived in Brooklyn since I was 21 years old. Yeah, and now I'm 45. How long have you lived here? We moved to Brooklyn in 1991. Yeah, it was around the same time. That's when I was 21. Yeah, I was a little bit older. I was 31. And Paul made me move to Brooklyn. I forget that you're 10 years older. You don't look it. (laughs) Sometimes I don't act it. Neither of us do. That's... (laughs) part of why this is going to work so well <laughs> wow. despite what my son says we're not your mother's podcast nope not at all yeah, yeah no why we moved here in 1991 here? and we moved to cobble hill which is or barm heights cobble hill which is now this like incredibly fancy neighborhood but at the time oh forget it my there brother was nothing smith listen. street was empty now it's full of fancy restaurants Eric and Greg. Oh, they live in that neighborhood now. They live in the same neighborhood I initially moved to. Yeah. Exactly. That's your brother and his husband. My brother and his husband, Greg, which is my brother in law. They have been living in that area, Burham Hill, Mm -hmm. that Joanna was talking about since it was unsavory. I remember when they. 
they bought their second house Mm because they had an apartment then they bought a first house Mm -hmm. then they bought the second house which is where they live now I remember thinking back when they bought it and I can't tell you the exact year but you know somewhere around the early 90s I guess I'm sure I'm not right but my point is it was around the time you moved to Brooklyn yet somewhere around there but the bottom line was it was $263,000, I think. Oh, my God. My house purchased, uh, you know, 20 years later and in not as nice a neighborhood cost twice as much. And needless to say, their house is worth a ton more now. Exactly. Exactly. And I, who would have thunk it? And that's the weird thing. Because, you know, Borum Hill was always pretty. But there's, like, the Gowanus houses right in the middle. And there's the Gowanus Canal, which is stinky. You You have to explain what that is, Joanna. The Gowanus Canal is a super fun cleanup site. It used to be a sort of shipping canal. I don't even know what it used to be. But it's it's the man-made continuation of a natural inlet. Or there used to be a lot of industrial businesses. So why would anybody want to live around there? Well, because it's around, one side is Park Slope and the other side is Cobble Hill, Borum Hill, Carroll Gardens, which are all really nice neighborhoods. They're also, it's like the old industrial architecture, so there are lofts and stuff. There's a lot of artist studios, and it's kind of the inevitable gentrification. Like Soho got gentrified. Well, yeah, but or I, was Bushwick. Just to, I was just trying to get which are, to point out why it wasn't a favorable place to live. Before. It wasn't a favorable place to live because there were a lot of abandoned buildings because there were a lot of businesses that had gone bust and, and consequently the, they were empty. Fourth Avenue is highly industrial and there's a lot of like mechanics, car sales places. What are those? Used car lots. There's a lot of used car lots and garages and stuff and it's like six lanes so when would you say that all changed? When did it become what it has become now? I would say it started changing in the early thousands. And why do you think it, it changed? Because it really went from... Why did New York City change? I'll tell you my experience of New York changing. When 9-11 happened, in my opinion, is when New York officially changed. It was mm-hmm. changing... It was like, changing before that, yeah. Yeah, it was changing, but not changing significantly where you would have seen it. It would just have been a natural evolution, like mm-hmm. change generally is. But once 9-11 happened, all those people who used to live down there in Battery Park and who worked there and all of that started to, it literally was displaced amongst mm-hmm. you know That's and, true. I mean they were displaced and, for months and months right and they had to find some place else to live I really feel like a lot so they moved of, to Brooklyn Heights yeah as and, the and, next best thing right and because it was right across the water right across right. from and you can actually walk across the Brooklyn Bridge to the financial district so it's very exactly convenient. but the but what happened was all of those people that was displaced that had that income mm-hmm. that that money came and took those spots and started to push people who had lived there forever mm-hmm. out people who had counted on that neighborhood as an affordable place to live that wasn't too Ex- far from manhattan exactly 
they moved them further into Brooklyn and for, and some eventually out of Brooklyn because we've all been basically priced out. Right. Or in my case, into Bed-Stuy. Well, most white people, not for mm-hmm. nothing, right. went into, went, came to Bed-Stuy. Bed-Stuy Fort Green, so, Clinton Hill. Well, it started with Fort Green, Burham. Burham Hill. Yeah, it started with that. Mm-hmm. But over the last, I would say the last 10 years, it, it became Bed-Stuy. And Bushwick, because it's next to Williamsburg. Me. Right, because Williamsburg was always kind of, you know, the artsy kind of place to right. be. But it became more Soho-ish after 9-11, again, because they had to have someplace else to go and still seem cool. Right. You know what I mean? And you know what? In the 90s, a lot of people, like, from creative uh, creative occupations or creative industries where you don't make so much money, like publishing, a lot of them right. were moving to Park Slope and to Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens, which are right are next they, to Brooklyn Heights. Are they doing that now? Well, they've been priced out, just the way you're saying. But yeah. that happened before then, so there was already sort of a base of, I don't know, middle-class-esque white people had moved to Brooklyn. Right. But that's what I'm saying. It's in that and they em- bought brownstones, though, just like your brother and his husband. You well, know, yeah. They paid $250,000 for a brownstone, which now seems amazing. Well, well you, you'll never get one for that now. Like well, who a- knows? In another 30, 40, 50 years, we'll all be dead. But who knows what? I was just going to say, yeah, we can't speak to all of that. <laughs> the market value of my house will be... <laughs> yeah, I, we we don't know about all that. We're just trying to stay relative to, you know, mm-hmm. what we're talking about, time period we're talking about now. All I'm saying is that a lot of this, in my opinion, where Brooklyn is concerned, I feel like the problem became that people were able to come and afford to purchase homes that the people who made the heart and soul of a lot of these neighborhoods could not. They didn't mm-hmm. have the credit. They didn't have the down payment. They didn't have whatever. And they were pushed out. And that's where a lot of the resentment came from. Because there was no real thought about how to become a collective community as opposed mm-hmm. to coming into a community that already existed and mm-hmm. demanding that they change to, you know, make the newcomers okay. Mm. as opposed to seeing how they could all get along. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? That became, in my opinion, the real problem of the change in Brooklyn and why they started talking about the, you said the gender... Gentrification. It, yeah. That's really the underbelly issue, is sort of saying, well, we're here now. Bye. That's well, enough. I think that has happened to a lesser extent in Bed-Stuy because... There's a, were a lot of African American who owned their homes. Who owned their homes? Like we bought our house from a black couple. Yeah. And they had actually bought it from the city for some like really small amount of money, like thirty thousand yeah. dollars. And fixed it up, and renovated it, and lived in it for eighteen years. Yeah, eighteen years, nineteen years, and then sold it to us for a considerably larger amount of money. Right. And, and, like, I, I have to say, like, I didn't really feel guilty about buying the house because it clearly enriched them. Right. You know? Absolutely. 
absolutely. Like, we but didn't that- buy it from a speculator who had, like, tossed it, kicked out all the Section 8 tenants or whatever. A lot of this happened, though, through the decade fight to finally get the Barclay Center built. And, That's true, too. That's true, and, too. you know, them having to battle with the the communities that mm-hmm. they, in essence, forced out. Right. Yes, they purchased the homes, yeah, technically, but a lot of those people did not want to go, and that's why it took so long right. to build. That's true. That's true, too. And that is at, that really happened before we were house hunting. That was That happened for about a decade. Yeah. That's true. I was I I know because I I was living in Brooklyn at that time. I was actually living in Brooklyn too, but I was living in Windsor Terrace. Windsor Terrace is south of Park Slope. I feel like we should be putting a map up on screen or something. We probably will when we start actually <laughs> yeah, doing when visuals. we actually have this. Yes. Yeah. It'll be on our website on ourminds.nyc. I love how she has the vision of stuff that isn't happening quite yet. But it well, will. you have to imagine these things. You have Absolutely. to imagine before you can do. Absolutely. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Oh, Lord. But, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, it happened not just to minorities. It happened to very well-off, you That's know, true. That's other true. people. They got displaced also because, yes. yet again, somebody with money decided. And, and the you know, state. The let me just say. Don't forget the state I, of New York was yeah, instrumental. I, and you know, Jay-Z, I love you. But I'm I'm just saying, like, it, it wasn't him. It was like the big Bruce picture. Ratner. It was Bruce. Bruce Ratner, was, the developer. Looking, and he, he displaced families who were established in Park Slope mm-hmm. and established... Prospect Heights, or I don't even know what you call that neighborhood. And established in Prospect Heights, mm-hmm. yes, that neighborhood as well. And they put up a really good fight like I said, for like a decade. But at the end of the day, the money won. Right? There was that guy who was living in his building after everyone else had left. And they, yes. like, turned off the heat and, and the hot water and the electricity. I'm telling you, man. Or even the dude who lives who lived in Bedside, Dave Chappelle, threw a concert at that man's house. That wasn't really a house. It was some artist guy who just lived in this abandoned house. It was like a squatter that just kept mm-hmm. building over the years with oh, him and his partner. Oh, I know the one you mean. Yes, that was in Clinton Hill. Yeah. I, far- and, I forgot about that. And he lived there forever and ever and it was almost like yes. a back you know, tourist site. Yes. And, and it was they, like the Watts Towers in LA. It was and, like folk architecture. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle literally did a concert of like, you know, Lauren Hill, Erica Badu. Right, because she lived in Fort Greene. Maybe she still does. She probably Erica, does. Erica Badu, yeah. Rosie Perez still lives here. I've seen her in Fort Greene. So does Lots Nelson. Nelson, whatever his name is. George. Nelson George. Yes, Nelson George. Yeah. I mean. But Spike, well, Brooke, Spike Lee moved to the Upper West Side. No, the Upper East but, Side. But his dad's but still his, here. And his studio is still here. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, the heart of Brooklyn, it still exists. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll say this, which I think is really cool. That Biggie's 
portrait is still on the side of that pizza place. Mm -hmm. And normally when people spray paint things, eventually Mm -hmm. they get ruined by someone Mm -hmm. else tagging it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But because he was, you know, he was the heart of Fort Greene back in the day. Like, this is really the mecca hip-hop, you know what I mean? Oh, the people from Queens, bitch, would disagree with you, but... There is what Queens South and Bronx. Brooklyn, Harlem. Now South, now South Bronx. I don't know as well. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But definitely, Brooklyn is one of the foundations. Right. My point. The point is, is that no one would dare touch Biggie's portrait, mm-hmm. despite all of the change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I. I, I actually like know a guy I went to college with who's, who lives in Biggie's old building. Oh, really? And he says they st- people still put candles and stuff on the stoop. I'm not surprised. He was really, I, I gotta say, that guy, he he was really, and I, obviously I didn't know him, but I did meet him once. And he, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I was kind of unaware of him for a long time. Not that I'm surprised. <laughs> But Biggie was really smooth. Like, he mm-hmm. really, that wasn't just persona. That was, mm-hmm. Biggie was smooth. Mm-hmm. You could say what, what you want about looks or whatever, but he knew how to make up for it all, I got to mm-hmm. say. That sounded really like I know him like that. <laughs> I don't. I just want to clear that up. through his music. And that brief meeting in the That's, club. Yeah, the brief meeting in the club, okay. That's, That's more That's, than I can. Oh, please. I don't. We'll have when we talk about our twenties. Okay, we'll talk about our twenties and the fun we had in Lower in Manhattan. In Lower Manhattan, no, see, I wasn't a CBGB girl. CBGBs area. I went there places people I, don't even remember the Mud Club. See, you're gonna have to talk about that part. <laughs> I was more the Palladium girl, limelight. Oh well, that's because you're. Yeah, I went to those places too, but they were just starting up when I was kind of like cooling off and getting Duh. married and stuff you know so all in all i wouldn't live any place else in new york but brooklyn i have real rights to say i'm from brooklyn as opposed to just getting here claiming it like right. it's, a, it's annoying the people right. who just got here trying right. to claim brooklyn you you're not from brooklyn and here's let me just clarify i am originally from battle creek michigan so I am born and raised in Michigan, but I have been in New York since I was 19, 20 years old. And I've been in Brooklyn since I was 23. So I can claim Brooklyn. Wow. It's great that <laughs> I've actually lived in New York City from about the same age, from about 22. I moved here in like 1982. But I don't really feel like I'm from New York at all. I think I feel like I'm from Connecticut and like I'm kind of like faking being a New Yorker. Well, you kind of come off like that superficially. <laughs> but I think deep down I'm really a New Yorker. Definitely well, after tw- about after 9/11 I'm a real New Yorker. Anyone who actually was here when that happened is a true New Yorker. I agree. You know? Even the That's tourists. A- I really don't want to go into no that. I don't want to relive it either, because that was really something. It was the worst thing ever, and that it doesn't do it justice. It it doesn't, which is why I don't want to speak on it. Because I just want to acknowledge that we both know and love many people who were directly impacted 
mm-hmm. their lives were directly impacted by that mm-hmm. and ours was too yeah but people lost people and it's just that was just huge and and, and so okay i'm gonna stop now because i'm going there like i think and i can just like mention it lightly but i can't Partly the weird thing about when I, we decided to buy a house here, we didn't really think that it was going to turn into this huge financial windfall or anything. Like we needed a place to live. We were hope, right. like our hope was we'd be able to sell it for as much as we paid for it. You're going to be able to do that now. I think so. I, I mean, I always to... think that like the financial world is really volatile as we learned from like 2007 to 2009. But at the moment... I mean, it doesn't seem unlikely. It doesn't seem unlikely that you'll be able to recoup in mm-hmm. your investment mm-hmm. of your home. <laughs> I think you're safe to say you're you're so. okay if you if you ever need to to sell for whatever reason you At decide least within to leave. the next ten years. I know Eric and Greg are fine. They're like, don't count my money, but I'm just saying those were smart investments. And so when when I mention my rent. Or, you know, whatever to people who don't live here. They're horrified. Beyond. I know. When we were buying our house, I was talking to a friend of mine from Atlanta, and I told her how much it cost, which was just over half a million dollars. And she said, that sounds like a really expensive house. Like, didn't they give you, like, a folder with the pictures? You know, like a fancy real estate portfolio. And I was like, no, it's like the the cheapest house in Brooklyn. That's the only reason we can afford it. Please. When I brought up my rent, as opposed to what I actually make. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, how do you pay your rent on time? And I said, who said I do that? I pay on my rent, like a payment, like I got it on layaway or something. I am able to do that as long as I stay within a month, six weeks of paying it. But that's really not an abnormal thing mm-hmm. in this city. That's true. That's why, that's what I'm saying. And so when people go, you know, can't you, you know, find something cheaper? Maybe. You could move to Coney Island. Exactly. That might be cheaper. <laughs> but that's far. Exactly. That's exactly. far. But that's, but that's the point. The point is, like anything, you have to weigh the quality of life to what you're paying. Like, I'm paying for the quality of life here. To have my kids attend certain schools, for us to be in a neighborhood that we actually now are a part of the community. Mm-hmm. I'm paying to be able to walk to my church home, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Baptist Church, and to maintain my not only personal relationships, but my professional ones and my work. I, I mean, if I had to, like, start all over again by moving out to Coney Island or, like, I... Right. Really? And it's hard. You know, New York is very compact, but you can just go, like, 10 blocks and you're in a totally different neighborhood. When we moved here to Bed-Stuy from where we lived in just south of Park Slope, near, and it was, like, a huge change because we didn't really know anybody and everything was completely different. All right, well, I mean, it was like four or five miles. It wasn't really that far. <laughs> well, I'm talking far, you know, because there's mm-hmm. no place four or five miles, really, right. that would be cheaper than where I live. That's why we said Coney Island. Because Coney Cause Island is like 10 miles away. I might be exaggerating. Oh, my God. 
when I went to Mark Twain to look at that school. That's a fancy public junior high. When I went there, when we were doing all those tours and open mm-hmm. houses for middle school, I was just, because what my whole thing about doing that was always to fall back and let the boys tell mm-hmm. me how they felt about each school that we would attend. Mm-hmm. I thanked God that Hunter was like, this is far. I don't want to come way out here. Mm-hmm. I don't like this school, you know, but it wasn't because the school was bad per se, but one it was kind of no in nowhere. Right. It's like, out in Coney Island near Kingsborough Community College. It's way out there. And trying to get to the train to get back here was right, like... Right, you have to take the bus to get to the train. And we didn't. We walked from Mark mm-hmm. Twain to the train. Yeah, that's like and at least a mile. Lost. We got Because it was not at night time and we mm-hmm. weren't familiar. We got lost and it was desolate. Like, it wasn't... You didn't have a smartphone with Google Maps? I'm kidding. Well, I'm sure we did, but the bottom line was I was grateful that that wasn't a school he was interested in going to. But that's the point why you wouldn't just pick up and go. Like, if Mm -hmm. you're in New York, you're living in New York. And if you're not living in New York, unfortunately, Jaden's principal, Mm -hmm. who's leaving because her commute. Yeah, all the way out to Long Island. Not far away looking on the map, but just because of the nature of the commute it's like you have to drive to the train station and get on the train and then you get off the train in brooklyn but then you have to take the subway down into park slope it it all adds up and now you're going to add that you have you're married or you have children Mm -hmm. that are out in long island and your Mm -hmm. life is out in long island but you're a principal at this school so you have to be in yeah you can't like take you don't have school days off Exactly. So it's just not practical when people say, why don't you just? There Mm -hmm. is no just. A New Yorker or being in Brooklyn is a commitment. It is a commitment. (laughs) And it's not for for the faint. It's not for pussies. Word. That's the truth. Should we stop? Joanna, speak facts. Speak facts. All right, I guess that's enough for today. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. And we are really looking forward to hearing back from our listeners. So we want to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Because there's are no we... show without you. Yeah, exactly. And we have a website, onourminds.nyc. And we have yeah. a Facebook page, On Our Minds. Okay, you have to, you have to go on the journey with us, guys. Exactly, because we're finding our way. All who wander are not lost. Are we telling everybody who we are this early? Oh, my oh God. well, you know, the, there's no time like the present. <laughs> okay, so what, what do we have? All right, we have a website, we have Facebook, we have a Gmail address where people can send us email. It's onourminds.nyc at gmail.com. Okay. We have a Twitter. People can hit us up on Twitter, onourminds.nyc. You're probably getting the picture now. Yeah, but, okay, why do we need Tumblr? Um, okay, so I need to know from, I want to know from the people. Do we really need Snapchat? Do we need Instagram? Do we really need Tumblr? What do we really need? Because I'm a Facebook girl. You know what? I need people to actually contact us and let us know what we really need. What will they actually go to leave us their 
thoughts and their requests about things they would like us, topics they would like us to speak about. And we don't know about things. (laughs) We don't necessarily know about screen types.